Hello and welcome to the PQIP podcast, a podcast about perioperative medicine. I'm Dr. Leila Nasser. On this show, I'm talking to Dr. Ramani Munasinga about the evolution of PQIP and how you can get involved. Hi, Leila. Hi. So we're going to talk about the evolution and the future of PQIP. So can you tell me, what is PQIP? So PQIP stands for the Perioperative Quality Improvement Programme. Um, it's... Uh, it's something that's really evolved over the last five years, maybe ten years. Okay. Um, so what we've done is created a program which um, combines um, really robust science with quality improvement methods to try and drive improvements in care for high-risk patients. What we've done is we've created this resource, mm-hmm. which we're going to run as a research study. Okay. So patients will consent to taking part, also contributing their data to PQIP. And then we collect loads of information about them. So the patients tell us some stuff about themselves um, and how they feel from their health-related quality of life perspective. And then we collect some objective data about uh, what the patient's risk factors are. We collect a load of information about the processes of care they're undergoing, Mm -hmm. so what antibiotics, when they get antibiotics around surgery, uh, what sort of warming devices they get, what type of surgery they have. And then um, some follow-up data, so uh, measured at several points after the surgery, okay. uh, looking at complications and looking at processes, so how quickly do they mobilise after their operation. Um, and then we follow them up in the long term, and that's one of the things that we're really excited about, mm. because we're going to look not just at whether they survive to leave hospital or sure. even survive 30 days, but we're going to follow up their outcomes for many, many years uh, in terms of survival, And we're also going to ask them questions about their quality of life um, and their level of recovery um, at six months and 12 months after the surgery. So we get a much more sort of complete picture of how they're doing after the operation. Absolutely. So it sounds like you're going to be collecting huge amounts of data, which is fantastic. How do sites get involved? Where's the data being collected? Sure. So so um, one of the things that differentiates this from ICNARC or, in fact, any of the other, other sort of national audits that people are familiar with, like NILA and so on, mm-hmm. is that we're running it as a research project. So um, we've received funding to support it from uh, a charity called the Health Foundation okay. and also from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. And um, it's on this thing called the NIHR portfolio, the National Institute of Health Research portfolio. And what that means, that's really important because it means that hospitals can get help from research nurses that are paid for by the NHS, effectively, by the NIHR, um, to recruit patients, consent them, and, and to help collect some of the data. So we hope that by doing that, there'll be a bit less burden on uh, doctors and, and, and clinical nurses in, in collecting this sort of information. So any hospital that does major inpatient surgery uh, can take part. Okay. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. So we've, it's great. We've got some really massive hospitals like Derriford and Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some much, much smaller hospitals like, for example, the Oval, um, already up and running. Um, and uh, anyone within those hospitals that works within those hospitals can also get involved. So um, we're really keen for multidisciplinary team involvement, sure. and we're really, really keen to engage junior doctors in this as well. Fantastic. 
So how many sites do you have involved so far? So we've got expressions of interest from over 70 hospitals. Um, We've done um, all the sort of approvals and that sort of thing for about 30 already, and we're hoping that more will come on board gradually over the year. We've gone for a soft start. We wanted hospitals to start when they were ready, rather than sort of us deciding when to push go. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's part of our ethos with the whole thing, is actually trying to work really closely with local teams to try and do what's right for them Um, and that's both around how they input the data and how they use it locally but also um, about how they then use that information to improve the quality of care they're delivering. Great and you mentioned that it's going to be a multidisciplinary approach how important is it that PQIP is collaborative and that you work with a range of healthcare professionals? So it's really important because obviously perioperative care is a really multidisciplinary um, specialty. So um, we're trying to take two approaches to that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, so from the um, grassroots level in hospitals, we've got um, an, in every hospital that's taken part a named surgical lead, right. a named anaesthesia lead, um, a named management lead because we really want the engagement of managers in this as well um, and a named quality improvement lead and some people will wear two hats but sure. it's it's about trying to um, create some multidisciplinarity around the approach um, we've we're going to actively try and support nurses in getting involved with it as well because nurses need to do quality improvement now as well, like we all do, because they've got to revalidate and so they need to be able to evidence that for their revalidation so um, they can use some of the data appropriate to their clinical setting that they're working in to, to support themselves. And then at the, the sort of central national leadership level, um, the, the Royal College of Anesthetists is the main college-based funder, but we've had... Um, really valuable input from the Royal College of Surgeons, nurses, the faculties of intensive care and pain medicine, loads of surgical specialist societies, um, Royal College of Physicians as well. And they've inputted into which data we collect, um, our quality improvement methods, and generally trying to get people involved. So every hospital that takes part, we're sending a letter to their chief executive to say thank you very much for taking part. These are the names of your local leads, and that's been signed by the presidents of the Colleges of Surgery, Anesthesia, um, and the Faculties of Intensive Care and Pain Medicine, and the Royal College of Nursing as well. So really, really good multidisciplinary leadership. Fantastic. So in terms of collecting the data, in each local site, how will it actually work? Will they be sent a spreadsheet that they need to fill in? No, so um, so basically we're encouraging sites to enter data directly into our online um, web tool. Okay. So um, we sort you out with access to it, or your local lead will sort you out with access mm-hmm. to it if you're rotating through different hospitals. And then you, anywhere with an internet connection, you can go online, um, access um, uh, the opportunity to enter data for patients directly into the uh, website, um, and the really important thing about that is it enables lots of different people to enter data for the same patient, so mm-hmm. it doesn't rely on one pay- person doing it. Sure. Um, they can do it simultaneously from different parts of the hospital, um, and they can also, really, really importantly, anyone that's got access for a particular uh, hospital mm-hmm. will then be able to look at the data, summarised, right. both in an Excel spreadsheet but also graphs, run charts and reports, so everyone, it's very transparent. Mm-hmm. Everyone in that hospital will have access to an anonymised uh, patient, um, anonymised data set, so right, cool. they can use it 
to do whatever they want with it. Okay, fantastic. So, so what sort of time scale are you looking at? So we, um, the first patient was recruited at Derriford on the 13th of December okay. um, 2016, right. and we want to recruit 70,000 patients for the first wave of this study, which we expect will take around four or five years. Right. Um, some hospitals are going for collecting data on every patient that fulfills criteria and consents to take part, mm-hmm. and some hospitals are going for a, a, a sampling approach, so they just collect data on a few patients sure. selected at random um, because that better suits their needs. So it's a bit difficult to predict exactly how long it'll take to get up to 70,000 patients, mm-hmm. but we reckon at least four or five years. But one of the things that we want this to be is a legacy study, So, because right. we think we'll be able to answer so many important research questions, um, as well as improving quality of care mm-hmm. um, by collecting this type of data. So we're really keen over time to talk to anyone that's got an interesting idea about how they think this data set could be used to answer important questions about quality of care or research questions. Okay, so I mean, I suppose my next question was, what what is Keyquip's five-year plan? So what are you hoping to find the answers to in four to five years? Sure, so... um, the most important thing, the thing that I will be most happy about if we get there, is to see that the ambition would be that every hospital that takes part will be able to track improvement over time in the way that they deliver care to patients. So their compliance with the evidence-based processes of mm-hmm. care that we should be providing, and, and hopefully an improvement in um, risk-adjusted outcomes of their patients. So that's the most important aspiration. And it's not about where my hospital compares with yours. It's about are we getting better day on day? Are we striving for excellence? And are we using this as an opportunity? And then the second aspect of it is we will have this enormously rich database of patient information. So we'll be able to answer really important questions like what actually is the rate of complications after major surgery? Because we don't really know. Um, what are the rates of failure to rescue so how many patients die after a complication Mm -hmm. and does it vary between hospitals or different types of hospital or different types of surgery Um, and how do all the different aspects of patient outcome relate to each other so we know that complications uh, are linked to shorter survival but how do complications impact on longer term health related quality of life does short-term outcomes like quality of recovery in hospital or patient satisfaction reflect or predict later mm-hmm. outcomes? All sorts of stuff. So real opportunities to answer loads of different questions. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. I suppose one um, potential pitfall that some sites may find is that there may be concern that invariably Hospital A could be compared with Hospital B and Hospital A could be seen to be doing things a lot better than Hospital B. How would you go about reassuring, reassuring mm. and um, possibly suggesting or implementing changes in those sites? How would that work? So uh, two really important, quite complicated questions. Mm. So, um, so first of all, how do we provide reassurance about the way that the data will be used? Um, so our focus is, as I've said, it's really all about local improvement, mm. not where you are in a national spreadsheet. Sure. And um, 
the way that we report when we send reports out to local sites and when we report the data nationally will focus on that. Right. So we'll give national data, obviously, about, you know, this is the rate of complications and this is the rate mm. of pain and rescue or whatever. Um, but um, we will be focusing on what proportion of hospitals improved care. Right. What okay. proportion of hospitals improved outcomes. Mm. We are collecting a lot of data that enable us to adjust for risk factors okay. so um you know stuff like problems. yeah exactly you know smoking obesity yeah. you know all that sort of comorbidities um and that definitely definitely will help mm-hmm. um local sites understand their data more effectively sure. but lots of people always raise concern that even when you collect really detailed data like that you don't always necessarily fully adjust for the complexities of different patients in your population. Sure. So um, we are sympathetic to that, but we need to we need to make progress. So the complexities of your patients shouldn't make a difference to processes. No. If the right thing to do is to um, give antibiotics within a certain time frame of surgery or um, not send patients to recovery with a tube or a drain in, for example, then it's the right thing to do for almost all patients. Absolutely. And there will be some patients um, who don't, uh, shouldn't have those sorts of processes. But what's really important is that we understand the reasons for deviations from protocols. Um, so if you don't, if you do send the patient to recovery with an NG tube, for example, when we, um, there are loads of enhanced recovery guidelines that say that probably we shouldn't mm-hmm. after major GI surgery anymore, colorectal surgery. Um, then document the reasons. The data set will allow you to do that. And then you'll be able to understand the reasons for fluctuations in your own processes. And then when it comes to outcomes, uh, again, trying to track outcomes over time in your hospital is the key aspiration. Mm -hmm. 50% of hospitals will always be lower than average. Right. You know, we've got to remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously different hospitals will be doing different types of surgery, so I don't think it's right to compare colorectal surgery with thoracics for example it's like apples and oranges so as far as possible we're going to try and compare like with like Mm -hmm. use risk adjustment to help that but our focus is this positive deviance so don't focus on the bad focus on the good try and improve uh, what you're doing all the time and where people are doing things better can we learn from them Um, that's the basic principles of what we're trying to do Great, so sharing of ideas, essentially. Absolutely. Doesn't often happen. No, and um, that's one of the things that, as we get really get going, because we're just in the setup phase mm-hmm. at the moment, we're just starting, uh, we've got 200 patients in so far. Okay. Um, but we're going to be really focusing, particularly when teams start looking at their dashboards mm-hmm. um, and they start getting their quarterly reports on um, the QI methods, so supporting teams in their learning using online learning but also collaboratives and supporting sharing of information through websites and webinars and that sort of thing so trying really hard to um yeah collaborate across Mm -hmm. boundaries and share positive stories fantastic so if people are listening to this and wanting to get involved what's the best way of contacting the PQIP program. Sure. So, um, so we have a website which is uh, PQIP, pqip.org.uk, mm-hmm. and there's loads and loads of resources on there that you can access, open access. There's loads of research papers around which uh, data we're collecting and why. 
uh, loads of QI um, resources and so on. So go and have a look at that. Um, and if you want to get directly in touch with us, then it's pquip at rcoa.ac.uk. Just contact us. We'll get back to you within a couple of days at the latest, and then we can tell you um, how your hospital can get involved. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the programme. Please follow us on Twitter at PQIP News and feel free to leave us a review on iTunes.